time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, March 5th, 2021. Happy Friday to everybody out there, and thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to today's episode, as I am every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We've had a great week of shows already, and uh, today is the finale of the week. And I'm really glad we've kind of changed things up a little bit with our format here and everything so that Fridays are kind of the main event, kind of like, you know, the build up to the week. And that's kind of how the weeks go anyway, right? We got Mondays where it's just me kind of kicking off the week with some sports recaps and other random thoughts. And then we build up to Bill Barnes on Wednesday on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in with my, my good buddy, Bill, the retired police officer. And then Fridays, here we are every single Friday with a new guest, a long form interview, uh, really looking forward to you guys hearing from today's guest. Today, you will hear from Craig Klingman. Craig is a member of the class of 1978 from my alma mater, Rio Hondo Prep. Played in a legendary CIF championship game in 1977. Uh, Craig is a school teacher. He has seven grandkids. He likes to surf. Uh, he's a great storyteller. And you're going to hear a lot of great stories today from Craig talking about growing up in Care Youth League, his time at Rio Hondo Prep, and really the lessons that are learned in sports. He made a comment during our interview that that the lessons in sports or the challenges of sports is that it's the mental side of things. There's a physical side to it, but I thought it was a great point that really it's training your mind and mental toughness and making decisions. And uh, I won't spoil the interview, but I'll, I'll let you guys hear it all here soon. But a great interview with Craig. Uh, I didn't know Craig very much. A lot of the people I have interviewed, I've met in the past and have kind of uh, some experience with one way or another. But Craig is someone that I kind of heard about through my former coaches. I played for Gary Shintaku and Mike Murphy in Care Youth League, and, and they were teammates of Craig's back in the day. And that's one thing about Rio Hondo Prep is the fraternity, really. Uh, co-ed school, of course, but you know, boys and girls, but just if you went to real Hondo prep, it's like, no matter the year, fast forward 30 years, uh, to, to kind of when I went to school behind Craig, I mean, it almost felt like we went to school together. That's kind of how real Hondo prep is. It's a very special place. And that's why so many people have been on this program from that fine institution. Um, some rather sad news from real Hondo prep actually, uh, happened this week. Uh, it was posted on their Facebook page, and I and I forwarded the uh, the message, shared the the story as well. But Mr. Orrick Hampton Senior, excuse me, Orrick Hampton Junior passed away. His father, Orrick Hampton Senior, was the founder of Care Youth League, and uh, Mr. Orrick, as most of us knew, Mr. Orrick Hampton Junior um, passed away. Uh, I believe he was uh, fighting cancer. Um, you know, he had been someone that taught at Rio Hondo Prep, math, science, astronomy, uh, over 50 years. And um, he, I'll read from the post here. He was a mentor of hundreds of students in the classroom and a father figure to many international students. 
uh, he and his wife, Marla, did in fact uh, have international students stay with them, uh, students who went through the Rio Hondo prep program. So they were always kind of having new kids from other countries stay with them and just uh, a, a special man. One thing in particular that Mr. Ork did outside of his uh, genius works, if you will. He was a you know mathematician and worked on com- in the computer lab at Rio Hondo Prep and taught the astronomy camp, as I mentioned. But he was a football coach. He was the offensive line coach at Rio Hondo Prep. And, and what better way uh, to have an O line coach? You know, who better than to have kind of a mathematician, someone that is kind of uh, seeing things from a different perspective? And so, Mr. Ork Hampton was an offensive line coach for many years at Rio Hondo Prep. Uh, it was him running the O-line, Gary Lunny running the defense, and head coach Randall Johnson uh, calling the plays on offense. That was kind of a, a little trio they had there for quite some time. Uh, he is responsible for a lot of the success that Rio Hondo Prep football has had in the past. And uh, Mr. Orkhampton, he was, he was a quirky guy, a very, very different type of guy. Uh, I, I mean all of these things respectfully, of course, but, uh, you know, I had heard stories that he'd be driving a bus and he'd be like doing a math problem in the air, like writing in the, in the air, not in his mind seeing, and, and then he'd erase the number that he, you know, in, <laughs> I can't even picture it, but I heard stories. I heard he'd, he'd be, he always walked really fast and he had looked like he had something on his mind. He, he's the type of guy that would bump into one of the, uh, metal poles outside a concession stand and say, Oh, excuse me. And keep going. I mean, <laughs> bumping into objects, right. It just, he was such a smart guy and he'd speak in church and he always had these like corny dad type of jokes that he'd fit into his messages. Uh, just quite the individual, just uh, really, again, special person. Can't say enough about or Campton uh, junior. And I want to share a story that, I shared alongside my Facebook post. It was my very first day of varsity football practice. And we went out there to run play. Okay, offense, you guys line up. You guys, uh, let's run plays against the ghost defense. You know, no defense, just going, running plays, get 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 the flow. Very first day of football practice, let's run plays without a defense just so we can kind of learn where we're going type of thing. Well, the very first play we run is a sweep to the outside, typical RHP play. And uh, the guard, the uh, offensive lineman, Brad Hanna was actually the guy, a uh, great football player, one of my favorite teammates of all time in, uh, in, in uh, the defensive side of the ball. And he was offensive lineman in this instance. He pulled to the outside. He ran all the way to the outside. And uh, we ran the play, and we're all jogging back to the huddle. No, no defense, mind you, just kind of. Mr. Oric comes out of his shoes, starts screaming top of his lungs. Brad, you blocked nobody. And we all kind of looked at him like, what is he saying? Does he see people out there? Like is what? Huh? And then we realized that the lesson was Brad in this instance, (laughs) our polling guard, he ran out there and there's, there's no defense. We're not going up against anyone. But it's the fact that Brad did not simulate going to block anyone. He didn't turn his hips so that the runner could 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 uh, you know cut off the back hip, you know, as you're taught. Show the runner your back so that you know the defender can't get to the run. I mean, it, he was so far ahead. We're just like we're just going through the motions here, and there was no going through the motions with Mr. Oric. 
even if there's no defense. He wanted you to pretend like you were blocking somebody. Uh, he would give his o lineman uh, M and M's. I remember he would have. Uh, oh man, <laughs> that I'll never forget that first day of football practice as a varsity. Brad, you blocked nobody, and we we chuckled at first, and then we realized, oh, he's serious. <laughs> just, okay, we got a lot to learn here. Uh, varsity football, very very different. So anyway, uh, God God bless uh, the Hampton family. Uh, rest in peace, Mister Oric. Oric Hampton Jr. Uh, I, I could tell a bunch of stories, but uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of them out there. But check out the Facebook page, Real Hondo Prep. There was actually some nice comments uh, left about Mr. Oric, uh, the stories, and you know, the astronomy classes and the, all the different things. Uh, yes, we will. Uh, you will greatly be missed, Mr. Oric, and to uh, his wife, uh, who was a teacher of mine, and. Uh, their daughters, you know, hope they're, they're doing okay and nothing but uh, love and respect out to the Hampton family from the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, I was talking to my friend Todd Carson about uh, our upcoming guest and he told me quite a story about Craig Klingman. It was, it was after I had recorded with Craig and I had told Craig or told Todd, man, Craig was, Craig was excellent. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun. Craig and I didn't know each other much. And Todd actually comes up in this interview a little bit today, but, uh, what happened? What did I, what did I tell him? I told Todd, man, it was a great episode. Uh, you'll really, you'll really like, uh, hearing it. And this is what Todd had to say about Craig Klingman. Todd says he was our first, or say he was our after school leader when I was in like fourth grade, he was in RHLA. He was so fun. Best storyteller. The main character in his stories were always named Spencer. Years later, I met his son, who he had named Spencer. And I kind of paused for a second when I heard that, and I just went, oh, man, that, that's just, uh, that, that really hit me, man. I could imagine a young college guy telling stories to kids and, you know, always telling uh, the story with the main character being Spencer and then to name one of his sons that later in life. I don't know. That hit me pretty, pretty firmly. And I thought it was really, really cool. So uh, Todd Carson, thank you for sharing that story about Craig Klingman. And I thought I would uh, bring that up today. Uh, so many things with Craig that I didn't get to. Uh, we talked a lot of football and, you know, real hondo prep and what that's all, what that was all like for him. So many memories. We had to kind of rush our, not rush really. We had, we talked for an hour plus or whatever, but we had to kind of uh, fit it in because he's teaching right now. He's teaching uh, classes down in the Lake Elsinore area and he had to um, fit it in <laughs> when, whenever we could. So we did a zoom, zoom call. We fit it in and it was uh it was just a blast. So he enjoyed sharing so many memories and I really enjoyed hearing them. And again, there's just that that connection. We didn't even go into talking too much about his coaches, uh, Randall Johnson and Gary Lunny and all those guys. He talks a little bit about it, uh, Gary Lunny especially. But for those of you who are affiliated with Real Hondo Prep, I really do think you will enjoy this. And even who those who who aren't, anytime you can go down memory lane and and uh, talk about these things, it's it's truly special. And a few weeks ago, I had Mike Murphy on the program. Mike Murphy was not only one of my coaches, but he was a teammate of Craig's in high school. And towards the end of our interview, after we talked a ton about Rio Hondo prep football and this and that, 
Mr. Murphy, Mike Murphy said, you got to get Craig Klingman on. He's a great storyteller. You have to get him on. I said, I'm going to do my best. I reached out to Craig, having only met Craig one other time, I believe. And it was on a football field. And he was actually refereeing the game uh, that I was coaching because Craig was also someone who's worked as a sports official. So we chat a little bit about that. We had that connection that not everybody has. So it, it's funny that this is someone I hadn't really known very well. But yet we both went to Real Hondo Prep. We both played football there, other sports. We both coached in the organization a little bit. And then later in life, we uh, officiated sports as well. So it's kind of crazy how the world works sometimes and how you're brought together. <laughs> Things bring you together, if you will, that uh, you just you would not expect. So Anyway, without further ado, let's get to the interview today. A Again, a fun conversation with Craig Klingman. I think for you RHP historians, this will take you back a little bit. And as we approach the football season for Rio Hondo Prep, uh, that is going to play a few games here in the month of March, I think this is rather relevant to, uh, to uh, what's upcoming for those football players who are going to wear the red, white, and black proudly. So, uh I won't uh, waste any more of you guys' time. Let's get right into a uh, fun-filled, football-filled conversation with Mr. Craig Klingman. Okay, joining me today is Craig Klingman. He's a member of the class of 1978 from Rio Hondo Prep. He is a teacher in the Lake Elsinore Unified School District. He is a member of the 1977 championship game at Rio Hondo that we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, former Care Youth League member, of course, and just all around great guy. Oh, also some sports officiating thrown in there. So I'm always intrigued by that. But anyway, let's have a nice conversation with Mr. Craig Klingman. Hey there, Craig, what's going on? Hey, thanks, Matt, for having me on. I'm just uh, getting older, but my brain still remembers all these wonderful things in my mind. So I love when we talk about it. <laughs> outstanding craig i know we're kind of doing a, an interview here in between uh, in between classes for you so what can you tell us about uh what you're doing these days as a teacher and kind of uh what the past uh, i don't know year or so has been like for you really uh above teaching which has been my routine it's all about the grandkids i have uh, grandkids up in washington and then here in california so we're trying to keep up with them that's why I still try to do a lot of surfing to stay in shape. And uh, babe, I want to be able to do a good curveball and strike out my grandkids when they get a little bit older. So I'm trying to stay in shape. Uh, <laughs> teaching, I teach special ed in Lake Elsinore. And then I also uh, teach people how to invest in real estate out of California where there's positive cash flow and they don't have to get involved in it. Wow. So you're somebody that I think some of the listeners would like to like to hear from that uh, out of California real estate. That's uh, not a bad idea these days. <laughs> no, not bad. You can do I, you can put to IRAs. Your money will overturn that IRA in just about two years with double digit returns. So yeah, if anybody wants to know, I'm happy to teach. I always love teaching and coaching. That's my passion. Wow. I wonder where that came from, Craig. I wonder if uh, you had some kind of background in uh, youth sports or something that we could talk about, if only, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, so you're down in the, you said Lake Elsinore Unified, um, and you've always taught special ed, or do you kind of, have you taught other forms of education as well? Uh, after coaching experiences, right, down at CARE or Rio Hondo Prep, I did uh, seven years. I did my own horse camp. My mom, who is really the teacher in our family, 
We did a horse camp for a few few years up in the desert. I taught seven years of regular ed in the last 23 years of special ed. Wow. So, uh, you know, you don't strike me, Craig, as a guy that uh, is slowing down anytime soon. It's You're surfing, you're teaching all these classes, you got real estate. I mean, you're chasing around grandkids. I mean, you, you, uh, you, you got to be young and vibrant at heart here. I mean, this is awesome. Thank you, Matt. Besides a sore back and knowing I got to stretch a lot, yoga, things like that. Yes, I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Craig, the first time I met you, I was coaching uh, the Real Hondo Prep Junior High uh, boys football team in, in my early, early 20s. And uh, I was coaching with Todd Carson. And you happened to be one of the football officials. We were playing down at Calvary Chapel, Marietta. And Todd said, hey, that's Craig Klingman. I go, Craig Klingman? I've heard great stories about this guy. I've heard, I, I knew he was the kicker on that 1977 football championship team, as well as, uh, you know, the wide receiver and everything. But I'll always remember, uh, you know, hearing about the pressure of tying the game with that extra point late, what that must've been like. And we'll get to all that. But I, I went up to you and said, Craig, I've heard great things. I played for Gary Shintaku. I played for Mike Murphy. They've said nothing but great things about you. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. And that was before I got into officiating. So I'm sure... I, yeah, I'm sure I tickled your ear a little bit about officiating, but uh, uh, yeah, that was the first time we met. I, when, when was that? That had to be like 2000, I don't know, 04, 05, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, right around there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, your, your kids went, did you, your kids went to Calvary, Murrieta, and you were telling me off the air, they're no longer a high school? Yeah, no longer a high school. I want to tell a quick story about Todd because Todd's high integrity, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing about growing up and being a care, high integrity. You, mm-hmm. you fight hard, but you do it right. Uh, I, I had no idea. You know how many rules there are in football officiating, right? Yeah. Uh, where, the, where you mark the ball, all this. So a lot of the times I knew like, they're, oh, that's wrong, holding, whatever. And so I don't know if you knew this, but when I called the penalty, I'd go over there by Todd. Hey, Todd, how many yards for this thing? And he, he knew. So <laughs> the Calvary side didn't know, but I knew Todd was being fair. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, that is a great story. <laughs> had you gotten into high school officiating yet at that point? Or were you just kind of helping out the... Uh, the- I had already done, I did one year of football and one day, you know, the white hat is a smart guy and all the rest of the guys are dummies, especially in freshman yeah. football. And I forget, I forget the name. There's a green team right on the 60 freeway near Hacienda Heights, but Nogales, Nogales. And it was a game and the white hat did not come. Oh, Um, we did not have a referee. And all I remember was it was a, it was a, all I remember was it was a fair catch. And either the guy didn't call the fair catch and ran or called the fair catch and got tackled. Nobody saw it because we're all trying to look at our spots. Nobody saw it. That was the most lonely feeling of my life. And us three guys who were, we knew nothing. Yeah. Uh, it was mad. And I knew they should be mad. And there was nothing I could do about it. It was terrible. Oh, that's a bad feeling. Yeah, that is a rough feeling. <laughs> but yeah, that's how that's how people don't understand it. These freshman JV games or whatever, or let alone eighth grade football is the officials. It, it's usually one guy that has experience and he's teaching or getting the other two guys experience you know it's like, so yeah. oh, i can't imagine fair catch no one saw it oh boy and that, that was in the old days mike harvey uh when i was in fifth grade and we had fifth and sixth graders played together right uh or i think it's called nationals but mike harvey now i realize he was just a high school kid maybe 10th grader and so 
man, we'd get mad at Mike Harvey. But the same thing, he was just learning how to umpire, but I, you just thought of him as authority. They don't, he should know. He might as well be a pro umpire. He should know everything. Yeah. <laughs> the little kid, it's just funny now when you get older. That is a great learn. point. That is Those a great point. people skills to learn. Oh, you, if you want to learn people skills, you become an official. I'll tell you right now. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, you, you played sports uh, in high school and everything and, 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 you know, coached, I'm sure, but, but officiating, th- there's just something about it. Having to make, de- having to pay attention, having to make decisions, uh, have that authority role. I mean, and I mean, fighting through adversity, when you make mistakes, people are yelling at you, there's nothing quite like it. I can't explain it. And, and how long did you officiate Craig? Man, I still am. I've got grand cause I still got to officiate the two-year-old the, Hey, that's not right. You got to step back, right? <laughs> Half a step for you. <laughs> uh, I would say, uh, like I said, uh, I, I learned through care uh, coach Johnson. I'll never forget. Uh, he was whatever. I don't know if he was coaching or what, but I was, I was roughing. And I remember, forget, I was down underneath out on the baseline and I'm looking up, Clayman, get your head down there. And so his whole point, like I was looking up at the ball, right? Not, not what you do as baseline. So uh, coach Johnson started me. And back then you could get like, uh, I think one, two or $3, maybe more to uh, referee or umpire. So you're right. It's all the same, whether you're doing six-year-olds or professional. <laughs> how, do, how do you let people save face? How do you maintain the game? So I, I, I've been doing it pretty much efficient. Like you say, it's all in the same thing. I still help people at school. I'll, I'll officiate now and then at school. So I would say most of my whole life, one way or the other. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm, I agree with you. I mean, <laughs> you never lose those skills because you use them every day. Um, that, that's funny stuff. And if you had to say, Craig, for me, it was football. Which of the three sports, you, you said you did baseball a little bit even, which of the three sports did you enjoy officiating the most? I liked baseball. I liked, I liked being behind the plate. Uh, there was a pause. It felt you could control the game. I get to talk to the catcher and the mm-hmm. batters, uh, more personable. But all of them really, uh, I think football I was at least qualified for because of basically all the rules. I wasn't like Steve Brink in our class who you knows <laughs> all the rules, right? <laughs> Remembers everything. Uh, but all of them I enjoyed. I liked the I liked the pace. Baseball was always my love of the sport. Just think is a, a thinking game. I really like that. Yeah, there's something to it for sure. Uh, you know what's funny is I got something. The guys that only do one sport were always kind of odd to me as far as officiating goes. Because I was a guy. I did all three. Not only was it year round, but I got something from each sport. Like you say, you talk about that that piece behind the plate because you don't have a choice. It's like, here you go, strap in. It's going to be a while. You just got to hang out here. Basketball so fast paced and, and football, you're really working with other people and you may not know everyone's job, but so every sport brought something different to the table. Yes. So, so that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And you officiated out in the inland unit, the San Gabriel unit. I did uh, citrus. That's right. Citrus. Between- Foothill Citrus. Proud member here. Proud member. Okay. And I think that I'd met you at one of the meetings there. So Foothill Citrus between the main freeways, mm-hmm. San Gabriel uh, Valley. I did. Oh, and I also did Long Beach basketball. I did Long Beach as well. Very cool. Very cool stuff. Well, uh, you know, Craig, let's, let's go back a little bit to uh, speaking of, you know, two-year-old, three-year-old uh, grandkids, by the way, how many, how many grandkids you got just out of curiosity? Seven. Seven. Oh Seven. man. And eight coming in June. Oh, congratulations. Uh, again, so the one in the picture right there, a basketball player, he's got four. So he, he reigns right now. He's got well, 
Wow. That's got to be just so special for you. Hey, you get, stay, hey, stay in shape, Craig. You're going to be chasing around uh, little ones for a while, it sounds like. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's go back to when you were uh, a young, young child, uh, Craig. Uh, tell me about your days. Find, I always ask people how they found Care Youth League or Boys Christian League in, in your case. How did it happen? Was it just you stumbled upon the field one day or did you know someone who knew someone? Tell me about the very beginning. My mom, uh, Robert Lyman, who was actually a very good pitcher, very good sinker ball pitcher for, pitcher for Rio Hondo. I think he might have even uh, got drafted in the or played in the minors. I don't know, but he had a very good sinker ball pitcher. Uh, oh, and he umpired, by the way. Robert Lyman, uh, he was a neighbor down the street who had, was going to BCL. And then also my mom knew, I forget the missionary gal who, who knew Mr. Hampton really well. And she had recommended it. So between those two, uh, so I didn't know any friends really besides, because Robert Lyman was quite a bit older than us. He was probably, I don't know, six years older, maybe more. So that was it. Uh, and just down the street of 10th Avenue, so association. And that's where we made our first trip down to meet Mr. Francis, the kids in Quiet Street. <laughs> oh, and I'll say this. Terry is either Terry or Jerry Hatch. I get them mixed up. But the one who talked more and didn't wear the glasses, I think that's what I remember. I didn't know football. Okay, I went, but it was only, it was for seven-year-olds, right? I was five and they were always, they were bigger kids than I was. And so I knew you had to try to jump on that pile. So wherever the pile was, I jumped on. And I think Terry Hatcher, I think on my stats at the end of the year, I had two tackles. And I don't remember tackling anybody. Maybe I got run over but I jumped on the pile, so I got two tackles that year. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Do you and remember? That was, over, that was over where by the Zodies or where the airport is now. I forget. Not Zodies, not even there now. But there used to be some fields. I remember that was where I started playing. Oh, wow. Yeah, those, yeah, I've, I've seen pictures and, um, you know, heard about how the different fields from the way we know it now. And it's just so crazy to think about. Well, do you remember your first day? Uh, well, just the first day in Quiet Street. The first thing I remember in sports, yes, I remember Quiet Street. We got it. Yeah, for first those that up. for those that don't know, you had to fill us in about Quiet Street because that, that's something uh, you know former yeah. members know. But you know, Quiet Street. And back then, you could be a little more physical. Nobody took it too personal. If you you know dropped a paper, you could get they smack you on the shoulder until you they would hit you until you picked it up. Good rules that were really, they were fun to go by and you learned, right? <laughs> so, uh, herd mentality, we learned it all. So Quiet Street, because the neighbors wanted, didn't want these yelling kids. And that's funny. I didn't even know that as a kid. I just knew you had to be quiet. But there was a street where if you talked, and then if you knew, if you talked, people would point at you. Like you talked, like shame on you, right? <laughs> shaming's bad. Shaming was good. So you put your finger on that guy. And then once you got on to Care Youth like then you could talk again. So the yeah. quiet my, my first memory, though, was I was 42. You know how I got 42? Because my brother got 33. John Starkey, our neighbor on 10th, got 31. And my brother told me to get 32. I thought he said 42. So I got 42. <laughs> so that was my number. But I remember sitting on the bench, and I didn't really know how the baseball worked. I just knew that you would. It was very somber. And I remember this guy named Paul Richardson, 44. He was our catcher. He was like the leader and always loud. And so you'd scoot down on the bench because it was your turn to go up to bat. Oh. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to go up to bat because it didn't look like 
I just didn't know, like, why, why are you going up there? Like, are you sacrificing for the team? It's going to be painful. Yeah, I didn't really know. So I got up there and then I must have walked. I don't think I swung because uh, they, yeah, they sent me to first base. So I'm at first. He says, okay, when he throws that ball, you go over to that next base. So they did. And I ran and I got there and I thought, okay. And so then I hear the guys, okay, now when he throws it, you go over to that other base. So I did. And I got the hang of it. <laughs> and the next pitch, I just ran home. Oh. And then the guy unceremoniously just tagged me really hard. And then I sat down again. And I thought, man, I thought he catching on. And then they were mad at me, he tagged me, like, why did he do that? I was doing my job and I sat down. So that, in my mind, that was my first experience. Not a good experience. Like, man, that guy, I didn't like that he tagged me like that. <laughs> steal second, steal third. Why not steal home? Come on, that makes sense to me. <laughs> I was, I was catching it. <laughs> why did he tag me hard? That's so funny. It's, it's funny how you look at things as a little kid. Now, as an adult, you look back and you're like, wow, that's kind of that's funny. But yeah. <laughs> Not no age. That's how you learn. That's the whole point of all of it is playing yeah. is learning, right? Yeah. That is great. So what were, what were some of the teams you played on in Care Youth League? Uh, well, I was through Superior up through sixth grade. Mr. Phillip, uh, the most loving coach I've ever had. Mr. Phillip, we had in our rival, we always, it's funny, the good guys in high school, like the Ken Fuller, Scott Weidman, Chuck Mariotti, those guys were like the stars. Uh, Jim Hanna, very good. Uh, Mike Murphy, Gary Shintaku. Atlantic, uh, was a good team that we played usually for baseball where uh, fifth grade, I felt we had the better team. Some of our pitchers, Jules Bonaris, he played quarterback over at Monrovia when he got older. We mm -hmm. had some, Doug Thompson, uh, he played quarterback for Fountain Valley, got killed on the way out. He was going to play for Arizona State. There were some good athletes in there. We had Doug Thompson as fourth grade. Well, fifth grade, we were the good team. We won two out of three. Sixth grade, they were the better team. Well, they're better players, but we just were better that day. So we beat them. So Atlantic was our big rival and uh, Indian. So a lot of those guys, like Ken Fuller and them, I was so happy, Gary, happy to have them on our team, Tim Mullins and baseball. When we got into high school, a lot of the guys were from Atlantic and Superior. So I grew up as a Superior. When I got into uh, junior high, we played on the Chiefs um, for football. It was Astros for baseball. And now, now I'm on Chuck Mariotti's team and Ken Fuller's team. Those guys were really good. Yeah. Because uh, Jay Lammers got the draft pick. He got to pick the first six people. Whoa. And, uh, Ted, Ted Rossnagel, I didn't know this until about uh, eight years ago. Steve Brink told me Ted Rossnagel, he ended up being on the uh, Vikings. And uh, Pete, um, man, the guy who coaches the uh, Seahawks today, forgot his name. Pete, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was his defensive back coach. I didn't know he had made it pro. So we had some, there were some good players, but Ken Fuller was definitely, and Chuck Murray, they, they were the men of junior high. <laughs> That's great stuff. Now, when you said uh, Mr. Phillip, uh, uh, just, that was Mr. Phillip Hampton? Yes. Okay. Okay. Very, very cool. Um, and then who are some of your other coaches and leaders kind of throughout there? You mentioned him as the most caring and loving. Who are some other guys you kind of grew up with as your leaders? Uh, a lot of the high school kids, it's funny, they were just seemed more mature back then. Uh, Gary Huey was my favorite. Like Gary Huey, I remember riding his handlebars on the bike, getting home at nine and my mom really mad. And, <laughs> and that was my fault because Gary said, I said it was okay. He was in like in high school. He was like assistant coach. Uh, Rick Dunia 
uh, let me see, I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. The, the Hatcher boys, I told you I was really young, Jerry Hatcher, I think. And then uh, Mr. Lammers, Ken Drain, uh, they were my coaches during uh, summertime and then Mr. Lammers for junior high. Uh, Don Mosier, because because the Chiefs, we were doing so well, they split us up our eighth grade year. It was terrible. I was like crying, like my life was over. <laughs> I got, I went over to the blue team. Don Mosier was, and they were like the lousy team. But uh, I get over there and it wasn't just me, but there were, we had some really good guys come over. So we ended up winning basketball. Uh, the blue team and the rivalry is now Ken Fuller and those guys. I think Ken Fuller's team would have won, but he got in trouble a few times. <laughs> Kenny was always, they're always <laughs> fighting or doing something. I mean, Kenny was a tough kid. He was just tough. And Chuck, I mean, they were all tough. Yeah. It, 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 we, we would do, uh, you know, sleepovers. We killed for those. We loved it. Mm. I'm just happy I didn't get in the fight, but it, Here's one. Jim Hanna, he accidentally shot Kenny in the face. <laughs> wait, wait, what, what sh- with what? <laughs> it was a rubber gun war. <laughs> all I could hear was all behind the shed, like, uh, whack, I got you, Kenny. And then all of a sudden, no, Kenny, no. And then whack, you hear all this. Oh, oh, oh. And I think Kenny broke the gun over Jimmy's head. And <laughs> Jimmy got crying. And so it was like that every time. Every time we would have a get together, there would be a fight, and then we'd always like, "Oh, when's the next get together?" Yeah, how it was. But Kenny, you know, I was probably that time maybe eighty pounds, and Kenny was probably maybe one thirty. So it was like he was just a man. Uh, Gary Shintaku was also Gary was a man amongst boys in junior high. He was like the dominator. <laughs> I love the names. I love the stories. So, okay, everyone knows. You know, the great men, all these guys have, have uh, become Gary Shintaku, Mike Murphy, uh, Jim Hanna. Uh, I, I, I didn't know uh, Ken Fuller or Chuck Mariotti, but I've heard great things about them. I mean, who, uh, Mike McGarren, Doug Walsh. I mean, just to name a few. I mean, you could go on and on. What I got in Scott Weidman. Uh, what were these guys? Like? Everyone knows who they are now. What were they like in high school? I got to know what these 16 and 17 year old versions of them were like. Yeah, in high school, and there was definitely, I would say, kind of like pecking orders, but everybody was pretty chill. Everybody had their little groups that, like, they would hang out with, right? And uh, so Scott, Scott was from uh, Atlantic, so was Mike McGarren, you know, Ken Fuller, Chuck Mariotti. So these guys, and I don't know necessarily who hung out together, because you remember a lot, like, how practice goes. I just remember there was always... Anything from uh, our freshman year, which was miserable. We lost all four games and we played teams that only had one team, one, one team for their school. So we'd go in as freshmen and Kenny, Chuck, they could hold their own. But the rest of us, the rest of us were 80 pounds and like, what are we doing here? And, uh, and so the dynamics were really, especially in sports, a lot of it is just your physicality, right? Yeah. So uh, I remember even in in my sophomore year, there was drills where if you're under 115 pounds, you worked with these groups. If you're over 115 pounds, then you'd be like with the Ken Fullers and up, all these guys. So, um, but I would say pretty much a lot of it was just based around sports. Uh, we, in, in school, you know, we'd get in there. Uh, Scott was always, when Scott would, I, I just couldn't stay awake my senior year. So Scott would try to keep me awake and we would do science, something I didn't <laughs> understand. And uh, 
But I'll say this. One thing we did do, I was staying at the Kirby's my senior year because my parents had moved up to the desert. And I was at Apple Valley High my junior year, so I missed out. That would have been a fun year because I would have got to be quarterback for the JVs, which would have been great. Oh, wow. But uh, but that didn't happen. So uh, my senior year, Scott would come over to the Kirby's and we would listen to the NFL songs on Thursday night and get fired up for the games. Oh. So I remember that was just a lot of fun. Uh, and I really respect it. I mean, there were some good athletes there. Scott was a great Scott, quite honestly, I think he, he didn't bloom until he got out of high school. I think Scott would have been a good college player in baseball or whatever. I mean, Scott was very dynamic. So you had your early bloomers in junior high, the guys that were men amongst boys, they kind of took the reins and then high school. I looked to that. I, I looked and I had good games, but I was, I felt more as a contributor. I was not the bulk of any team, but I was a contributor and I enjoyed as long as I got to play, I was having a great time. You know, people have happy to play. Oh, I made it on varsity. What good is that? If you're going to sit the bench, <laughs> I, I was very fortunate that if I had been a big school, I wouldn't have played. Uh, but with coach Johnson, I always got to play whether it was frosh soft JV's varsity. I always got to play. And to me, that's the name of the game playing time. Oh, play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you made a good point there, a good word, the contributor. I mean, Rio Hondo prep is, you know, built around contributors. I'm sure there's, there's good players here and there, but the beauty of sports in general, but you know, I would say football especially is everyone can contribute in some way. You know, there's many different positions and uh, being a contributor, I think is a great way to kind of sum up uh, you know, the ultimate team game and, and teammates in general. Hey, how are you helping us? You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, outstanding. And football football's the epitome of that, right? Football, a good team can beat some good players on another team. A good team can beat those individuals. Mm. Absolutely. Did, uh, kind of back to your, your kids. Did I, I never understand how kids go through high school and do not play sports, or even if it's not sports, participate in something. I was a huge sports guy. You played sports. Did your kids play sports in, in, uh, in high school? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. My, my daughter, now she just played Ariel, the baby. She started playing basketball because Spencer was getting all the attention. Him and I, uh, it's funny. Spence is only my height, but he could dunk a, uh, a uh, tennis ball, right? Spencer <laughs> was a great, great player. Uh, just great athlete. And he played baseball. He, he got hit. I made the mistake of not having a catcher. I didn't do it. I was just a dad, but I should have spoken up, but you always put a catcher there. Why? Cause that pitcher is going to hit the batter. That's their only target. So you always have a catcher with little kids. And my <laughs> son got hit twice uh, in fifth grade by this kid. And I think it kind of soured him on hitting, but yeah. All, and, and this is where I relate with you exactly on this sports is such a mental thing. We think it's physical, which as a kid, you do it. It's physical, but it's such a mental thing. When I'm surfing now, I'm competing. I'm 60 years old. Nobody cares. I'm competing. I want to do better on that next wave. I didn't like the way I dropped in on the wave or whatever. So all of my kids, uh, my daughter, Lauren, she was one of the top seven in Elsinore in the league down here, which was pretty good uh, for cross country. Hmm. And then Ariel played basketball and did cross country. And she was uh, one of the top six in the state for, uh, for the smaller schools. She did like a 630 mile for, you know, three miles. Oh, wow. and, then, uh, and then Spencer did the sports, but it's that mental toughness, being with people, being with a bigger cause. To me, the army is ultimate because that's life and death. 
But sports, same thing. Mentally, you got to sacrifice for your team. And quite honestly, Matthew, I hated football. I was, I mean, I was pretty good when I was little, but I was always little, right? Yeah. But as junior high, man, guys got to be so big and fast. I had finesse. That only gets you so far. I hated football. I only liked Friday nights because I didn't really fear the other team. I only feared Ken Fuller. <laughs> I was, I was okay on Wednesday nights. So we had Wednesday night practice, and uh, I was second string quarterback. And I don't know if I would have played uh, much as second string. I did in JVs. I played more, a little more quarterback, but uh, second string quarterback. So on Wednesday nights, I'm taking snaps from all the leftover linemen. And then Mr. Lenny, Mr. Lenny is the best. I love Mr. Lenny. Mr. Lenny, if we ran a play and gained like a yard against the starting defense, then Mr. Lenny says, come on, what's wrong with you guys? If you can't, whatever. Like, oh, great. Like I've got, I won't say the names, but I've got like 140 pound uh, or less guys snapping the ball and I got to run for my life. And it's like, I hate it. Cause we always run the other teams, you know, yeah. on Wednesday night. So, I hated it, but Friday nights I did like, but it was part of the team, right? I was yeah. so happy not getting to play the year before because I was gone, my junior. I was so thankful just to be out on the field and playing. Yeah, great story with Mr. Lunny. Yeah, hey, you, my starting defense, you don't give up a yard to the second string, not a yard. That's, hey, high standards, very high standard. Uh, you, you made a great point about playing sports because, for, for instance, when I was in high school, I'll be honest, I was the only guy in my class, which I think is rare, that really loved football and mm. couldn't wait for it. Some guys loved basketball. A few other guys loved baseball. And what I learned is that when I saw my, my buddies giving their all in football season and putting in extra time, extra work, I knew that I had to do that for the other sports. I didn't love basketball. I, I liked it, but I, you know, yeah. baseball, I was like, eh. uh, but you put in effort when you see your buddies doing it because yeah, there, you know, there is something to be said about, I don't know anyone that's had a terrible experience playing sports. Maybe they didn't like it, but you, you're right about them. I've never heard it said that way. The mental uh, uh, development is what really matters. Yes. And you know, you're, that camaraderie, I didn't realize this. I don't know how you were, but I was so spoiled. Like I didn't realize how wonderful I had it going to Rio Hondo prep. I started going there at seventh grade and hanging out with my buddies. We used to play relentlessly at lunchtime We'd go out on the donkeys and we'd play oh. three on three. And it was heated like, it, oh. the score was like 120 to 115. Okay, and then we get out there next, we come in all greasy and sweaty. <laughs> but we, we, we lived for that. And it's funny, when I left uh, Care Youth League, I coached the Gators. I think I was what, till 80, I was 25 years old. And when I left, that intensity you know, people being silly or people saying they're competing, but they're really not doing their best. It killed me. And I realized that was so fun to be with the Mr. Lennies of this world where in band, if you did not march on step, then you, you might as well be dead. Like you'd be the best or be dead. <laughs> and and uh, in band, very similar, right? Band and then uh, football is where, and I really liked what you said. I liked all the sports, even though what I really didn't like about football, just I just felt re receiver. I felt no pressure. Right. It's just me uh, trying to as long as Scott threw me a good pass. I was happy. I liked being receiver. 
but and I didn't have any pressure like being quarterback or something. Because you're running away from everybody, right? As a yeah. running, <laughs> yeah, I would never run through them. No, that was like Kenny or Chuck. Chuck, Chuck loved to bang heads. Jim had they always like banging heads. I, I saw stars. That was Jimmy. I saw stars. Like, dude, I don't want to see stars. So, uh, but that camaraderie, you just can't. So close to to all those guys, Ken Fuller, Chuck Mariotti, Matt Rodericks. I mean, just I mean, I, there's so many guys that I was like so close to them and i miss that i miss that intensity yeah oh it, it's man I, th- I think back all the time it feels like five years ago but it's you know it's a lot longer than that for uh, for for us and there's just nothing quite like it being with your buddies and you're right about those donkey basket th- those are some of the the fiercest competitions i've ever been in are the those uh those donkey basketball courts where yeah blood and grease and trash talking oh oh my goodness yeah <laughs> good thing no one ever videoed those those uh competitions because those were those were ugly you learn good skills i know matt matt rodericks he's a very good basketball player now we uh you know things and it's really true most kids you know they're playing like on a 10-foot basket but uh lowering i think i think real i think mr johnson i think they came up with one of the first smaller like footballs Mm -hmm. Because shrinking it down, your skills really increased on those donkeys too. (laughs) (laughs) The great equalizer. Absolutely. Oh boy, man. Um, Well, it sounds like outside of sports, what was the RHP experience like for you? Um, The teachers, you talked about band already, music. I mean, just the overall experience that you got, um, the summer trips, I mean, because because quite honestly, Real Hondo Prep is unlike any other place out there where you get a wide range of uh, experience, we'll say. So what was kind of it all like outside of sports for you? Oh, I, I loved it and hard to separate it from the sports. But uh, when I when we went on summer trips, uh, my first trip, I was just getting out of sixth grade and. And I was pretty good at baseball. I mean, baseball, I was I was a good player. Um we got out of school two weeks early from, I was going to Camino Grove Elementary in Arcadia. I got out a week, two weeks early to go on this summer trip and we played baseball, small towns. And that was, I think that's the funnest thing I've ever done in my life. Being with uh, Joe Parker went on that trip and Joey was still, now Joey's a great athlete, right? But Joey was, he was just coming out of fifth grade. So he was still, I mean, he was a little wimpy. He was the youngest there and running was not his favorite, right? <laughs> Joey's a great athlete. And so we would go to these towns and they had, they're probably little league aged kids, right? Now we didn't even have that many. Me and Joey, there were, I don't know, not that many even at, at our age. So we went up into probably two, three years older playing and quite honestly the caliber ball was pretty close with them uh but going into these small towns was so much fun and mm-hmm. then just traveling around the world back then you know washington dc we walked up and we uh talked to i forget the name of the congressman i think tunney was his name just everything was so free uh going to the statue of liberty and i remember um I remember they had like a younger kids team and then an older kids team. the older kids chris horton Steve Sims, these guys, great athletes. But one of, I guess the biggest theme I have, Matt, besides the sports was these older kids, uh, the Steve Martins, Chris Hortons, uh, Red One Dunia, these guys, Gary Huey for me, 
they were so good to us. Like they were servants and you could see that. Like mm -hmm. we would go to the uh, varsity games and after the varsity game, we'd go tackle Gary Huey. He wasn't a very big guy. I remember he got a personal foul once because he punched a guy or something. I forget. And he got in trouble. And then, uh, but just seeing like uh, Armin Maskamp, mm. Bob Coulter, Don Moser, seeing them play their soccer games. So just seeing them serve and then being great athletes, like, man, these are great athletes. Yeah. But then they would come out. I remember a guy named Steve Rasmussen on Saturday mornings. I was so excited because I was about in fifth grade and he would... I would go into the, not, you're not allowed to go out on field one unless you're with a high school kid. So Steve Rasmussen took me out there and he was like a big time varsity guy. And he would practice throwing me passes in the corner of the end. So you try to keep your feet in, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I just, I could have done that all day. Like, oh, I'm with Steve Rasmussen. And he's throwing <laughs> me passes. Why would he do that? I'm, I'm 10 years old. What would he care about me? And he was this high school kid. And those, it made you really respect those guys. So when you got into high school and you were coaching these little guys, I coached a guy, well, you know, helped. I was like scorekeeper, Mark Loretta. Mark Loretta played on the Padres and then the Dodgers. I remember pulling over because Mark Loretta is at the end of his career. He played on the Brewers, I think, to start. But he was a good baseball player. He played second base for shortstop. And he was up for the Dodgers and I had to pull off the freeway. Uh, because he was in there, he's older, oh, I don't know. and he, he'd never gotten hit off this pitcher. It was a really good pitcher. And Mark Loretta got the winning RBI, hit in a guy. Wow. But I still remember as a little kid dropping him off right off above the 210 freeway. With, I remember he's a high energy kid, uh, confident. You know how you take turns, have people run the ball? When it's his turn to run the ball, is like six or seven. He was going to score. He was just really good. But um so treating those younger kids and seeing the potential, that's really fun. And I think that's always been with me since. Like, we are obligated to serve others. Mm. And especially little kids, they are so open. So just teaching them what the next step is. So that that whole environment of being at, at care where the older guys, uh, I remember the high school kids back then, they ran the tree lot. They were just much more mature so that interaction of older kids respecting them and them giving to us, that was a key ingredient for your hunt. And then you said those expectations. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, our senior year. You don't know if you're good or not, right? You're just with your team. You don't know until you start playing other teams. And I remember the very first team, they scored off us right away. And I felt the pressure like, oh, we're one of those teams. Like, oh, we're one of the lousy teams. <laughs> I that. Like, oh man, we're the worst. It's because he had nothing to go against. We ended up winning that game. Mr. Lenny, he always, Mr. Lenny's the best strategician I've ever known in sports. Mm. But, but feeling that pressure, like, man, we're from Rio Hondo. We got to do, we got to do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Lenny was unbelievable, had a way to get his point across, usually humorous, but also he could be intense and really make you feel the brunt of, uh, what he was trying to get across and then put his arm around you, you know, later and say what a great job he did. So yeah, uh, just the epitome of a, of a wonderful coach. And uh, with that, I think we have to talk now about the very famous 1977 CIF championship game, the triple overtime thriller against Montclair prep. Uh, you know, Craig, I had the opportunity to talk to Mike Murphy a couple weeks ago. He was the featured guest on here and we talked a oh, lot about, great. Oh Mike, yeah. Fabulous. Oh yeah. We talked very in depth about that, that game, but, but if uh, 
Uh, I have no problems talking about it again because it's one of my favorite childhood memories was seeing it on camera. It wasn't there, wasn't born yet, but um, just just start with that. Start with the night, the start of the 1977 season and going into that season uh, and what, what that was like uh, for you and your teammates. All right. Well, I'll, st- I'll start the year before when my heart sank, when I saw Dan Kirby, John Dunia, Jim Key. Mm. Uh, great athletes. And they had Ken Fuller. Ken Fuller was not injured then. He was injured uh, after a second game in our year, but Ken Fuller was the man, even at junior. And I remember going and watching them play Montclair and tough game. Greg Loomis was a quarterback, tough game. And right at the end, I think Joe Jones was the guy's name, the kickoff. The guy runs down the line and I won't say who got sucked in, got blocked in, but he ran it back and Rio Hondo loses. I think it was 30 to 28. But I remember seeing some of Mike, Mike Murphy, some guys on the sidelines, and I'm watching like, I am so glad I'm not in that game. Like just so much pressure. Mm-hmm. And they just still seem like men. I was a junior. I grew a lot. I was still small, but I grew a lot between my junior and senior year. And I thought, oh, I just felt so bad for those guys. Cause they're so I, I love those. Dan Kirby, and those guys are the best. Jim Key. I I, I love those guys. And so coming into the next year, like I said, I didn't know how good we are because I, I thought we lost a lot of really good guys, Dan Kirby. I mean, those guys were really good athletes. So, but I was so happy to be at Rio Hondo my senior year, like, man, I'm going to, this is my last year. I'm going to do the best I can in everything. So coming in, I don't know how everybody else felt. I just, I did not feel that confident, especially at the beginning of that game when they scored, I thought, oh man, we're lousy. And, uh, so as the time went, I think the second game of the year was against uh, Montclair. And uh, it was a close game, Scott. And he, he says, he, you know, when you, have to, when you have to turn your head or backpedal too much, just get out of the way of a punt. And my fin, I would never have a high school kid catch a fair catch for a punt in a close game. I'd just give up 10 yards, I'd get out of the way. Mm. Bounced mm. up his helmet and they scored right at the end. Oh, just like, you know, the year before, oh man. And they beat us, I think 26, 20. So that, that was kind of our goal after that. We lost that game. It's probably good that we lost that game. Uh, and then we started going in the rest of the season, a little note on my end. Okay. I was a kicker. I was a kicker. Even in eighth grade, I was the kicker. I was known as the kicker. I was a toe <laughs> kicker. Right. And, um, uh, Pumas back then, I was only one senior year that had molded cleats. I had screw-on cleats. I couldn't afford the screw-on cleats, but I was happy to have cleats. Well, these were real pointed toe. So after kicking for Coach Johnson, we didn't kick freshman year because we weren't in it. We didn't score any touchdowns. <laughs> but, uh, but eighth grade, I used to kick for the Chiefs. And then uh, 10th grade, I kicked for JVs. Well, I, got my, I come back and I get one kick. I get out there to kick. And I'm wearing these real pointed toe pumas and boom, I, I missed it. That was it. I was no longer the kicker. And I like, and I love to practice. I mean, that was, I, I knew I needed to practice a lot. So even though I wasn't allowed to kick, I kicked 50 times a day. And I say this because I believed that I thought, man, I'm the best kicker. I know I'm good at this. Right. So, um, and then Chuck Mariotti had this kicking shoe, which is amazing. It's blended in the front. And then it's like, man, you couldn't mess with that. So I was kicking 50 times a day and I would just do it every day. And then one day mid three through the season, Ken Drain came by and said, Klingman, 
why aren't you kicking, man? You're, I said, well, and Chuck was a very good kicker too, but Chuck was full back. Chuck played all, every play. He was, he was doing everything. Yeah. I was fresh. I only played a few. I could run all day. Right. I loved distance. I could run all day. So, <laughs> and so, but I loved, I loved practicing. So I'd be practicing all the time. So finally with uh, halfway through the season uh, coach said, well, I'll let you, I'll let you, uh, I'll give you one more chance. You have one kick. And if you don't, you don't ever, you won't ever, because Ken Drain came up and said you could kick. So I'll give you one kick. Well, I used that shoe. I had no problem. Man, I made that no problem. So after that, Min Chuck traded off. And then by the time we got to the playoffs, then I was kicking. And I was, I was happy to do that because it was no pressure for me. I enjoyed kicking. And that was just part of the ingredients. Like you said, everybody doing what they could. And I, I loved this, except for the, pra- I hated practice. I hated Wednesday nights. <laughs> <laughs> but the Fridays for the games, it was so much fun. And after we really started picking up steam, I felt going into the final game, I, quite honestly, I was a little disappointed. I thought we should have beat them by at least three touchdowns. And we should have. We, we didn't play our best game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and I felt we were the better team. Like they had some great athletes. Uh, Tony Reed, this black guy, he was fast, <laughs> really fast. Uh, he ended up, we lost the semifinals in baseball. One of it was um, Chuck. I don't blame him. Chuck got his wisdom teeth pulled, but they our semifinal baseball game. It was a tough because Mike McGarren's best man curveball picture I've ever seen. Tony Reed got on base. They ended up beating us three to two, but Tony Reed, he would guard me uh, going out as receiver. So the fact that to get away from him, but I felt no pressure. I enjoyed being receiver and I felt we were the better team uh, going into that game. But, uh, you know, a lot of guys got the notoriety and Chuck Mariotti, great player. And, uh, you know, Ken Fuller, I know, was out uh, not playing that game and everything. But, you know, it was you, Craig, who had a couple touchdown catches in that championship game, if I'm not mistaken. I did. And the one I like to brag about, because this was good, it was me and Tony Reed, right? He was, had to have been the fastest guy around. They were in a different league. I mean, Tony Reed was just fast, flat out fast. But uh, he'd always give me a lot of leash. He'd always let me beat him by three yards. He didn't care. He's like Deion Sanders. He would just, he knew he could catch me and he could, but it was getting ridiculous. Like I would be eight yards deep and I'd be like, I'm open, Scott. If you're, I'm open, right? So finally my time comes, I got Reed beat and Scott throws it. And and Scott's a very good quarterback and maybe his arm got hit. I don't know, but he threw me a lame duck. So I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm going, I just remember I had to turn and I had to wait for the ball. And that's not a good thing when Tony Reed, well, the nice thing is, you know how like in baseball as a catcher, you don't want to get a, a throw from right field and that guy's coming home, right? You're going to the old Steve Yeager <laughs> thing. So, uh, but the good thing was the ball's coming and it's just really slow. And here comes Tony Reed and he's just coming right at me. I can see him. I'm like, oh, great. He's going to try to take my head off. So, but right at the last minute, I had it so that I had to take a step forward to catch it. Like, boom, as soon as I caught it, that step forward, he was running so hard. I think he tried to put his arm out, but he, he just ran right past. I sidestepped him basically because of his speed. Right. And then I turned around and we still had, I don't know, 30 yards to go. I think he still could have caught me, but he gave up mental. That was, he has been a mental midget. He, he turned around and he saw me running and he, and he didn't get up. He should have, 
So anyhow, that's my claim to fame is I juked Tony Reed, one of the best, uh, quickest guys. And so I scored. So that was very, I was excited about that. I love everything about that story. That is, that is, that is so great. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, you know, uh, those guys were very fast on the other team and, you know, Mike Murphy said, you know, he gave up 200 yards rushing to two different guys, I think. And yes. uh, you guys also had a pretty significant lead. Uh, yes. And then Montclair kind of caught up with you guys. Yeah, 31 so, to 20 at halftime. So, yeah, 31 20. We, it's funny, I kicked a field goal in the first uh, half, which I think it was a, I don't know, I think it was like a 35 yard or something, but I, I missed it. I missed it to the left a little bit. And but, but then there was no pressure because the you know it wasn't towards the end of the game and I wasn't feeling pressure. People said, "Did you feel pressure, Craig?" Look, I had to get on that kicking shoe. Like if we scored, I had to run and put on the shoe. There was no time. And kicking is not like a free throw. A free throw is very three dimensional. Can't be has to be straight, but also can't be too hard. Mm -hmm. Kicking is more two dimensional. Doesn't matter how far you kick it. You just got to kick it straight, right? So I never felt pressure, but. Um, that at 31-20, I could feel it like, man, we are the better team. I was feeling confident. And we didn't even pass that much. We ran main. I mean, Scott did a lot of quarterback sneaks. Kenny was injured. They didn't really know that. Every time Kenny got in there, they'd be freaked out. I mean, Kenny, that's how dominating he was. Oh, wow. But Chuck was a very good runner. Sometimes if we were going to do a, a fake play, we put Kenny in there like, <gasps> and you could hear him say, oh, Kenny. Oh, there he is. I mean, that's how dominating Kenny was. But and and Chuck was amazing too. So that that second half, I just felt we choked. We mm -hmm. we we choked it. And I'm very thankful that it ended the way it did. I remember Jim Hanna uh, as one. I don't know if it was the overtime or it might have been them stopping the drive at the very end. So we had to do our you know drive from the one yard line. But Jim Hanna talking about officiating, and this makes a difference. Oh yeah, you know, uh, basketball. There's a way to sell sell a call and things as a player right to get the call <laughs> but when the guy went down i think mark harper went down man they had a, they had a bunch of good athletes i i loved watching them run i mean they were really good <laughs> i loved watching them we were the slow white guys and they were just uh, i mean willie hurst he was great his son played at stanford i think oh yeah so when the guy went down at the goal lane i think jimmy is like right there like jimmy right there and and the referee uh you know put it right there i mean and it's really you can't even tell on the re like where the ball actually was mm -hmm. but i thought it was a great call because in the middle of a game hey make them hey they they, they got to earn it you can't make oh, yeah. it on something so jim hannah doing that with his finger was great great Jimmy call great call jim great call hey he's a he's a hannah man i love some of the the stories you told about him already with the uh, the seeing stars and everything i'm like yeah i played with uh, brad hannah and uh oh, man, yeah, the hat the hannah family they that is a football family let me tell yes. you uh oh man uh great stuff outstanding uh i mean you guys tied the game late with the uh, the, the play right the chuck mariotti yeah. play the, the through the legs i talked to mike murphy about the, the guts to call that play and to execute it and then after the legendary play with the dive into the end zone then you got to go out there for the extra point to tie the game and so you're telling me craig down one point after kicking a million extra points before there was not one percent of pressure on you to make that kick and you know i can really say there's other times i felt pressured right that was not 
one of them just because, you know, John Crescione, the only complaint he had is my holder. John Crescione, great guy. Uh, I had the habit with my right hand when I would kick it, I would hit him in the head. <laughs> and so every time I get clean when you did it again, like, what? It, oh, I'm sorry. So I was trying to, but it was tough by the end of the season. It was such a, a habit. So I, I, when I kick it, I'd hit him right in the head. <laughs> Uh, no, and you know, is is more relief because I really felt at that. You know, I was so happy. Like I got to have the angle when Chuck did that run. He, I mean, he got a little bit of a lead on those guys, but they were coming fast, and just shows how fast they were. And Chuck wasn't slow, right? I mean, he wasn't the fastest guy in the field. I mean, Chuck was, you know, very. He loved hitting and all that. But just watching them run, I like. I'm watching them come to me. Yeah. And there were two guys, I remember, I forget which two guys it were, but they were fast and they were going after him. And I remember trying to block, I think I even missed the guy, like trying to get him on there, but they had Chuck by the angle. And so when he jumped and scored, I was just so excited. I think I was just on that adrenaline. I didn't really have time to, because now, quite honestly, now when I'm older, I'm thinking like when I, oh, when I missed that field goal, there was a roughing the kicker and they let me, I, I re-kicked it right and then yeah. I made it and I'm thinking now oh man I'm so glad I'm glad I wasn't the goat those games oh you just don't want to be the goat oh that'd be terrible <laughs> so no that part uh was good it's funny and I say this people if you do miss and I that's why I sympathize with kickers uh people never really know it's timing right that ball's hiked and you got to have faith you're already going when that guy's putting the ball down you're not waiting you're going but I remember we played, uh, I forget, I think Faith Baptist. We, I don't know, we we killed him. That's why I was feeling so confident because Montclair hadn't beat him up that much. But I had, um, I think we made like nine extra points. I missed one. Well, what people don't know is John had a little tough time. I don't know if it was a bad snapper and I'll have to, Mike, I have to ask Mike McGarren, but uh, John got it and he, he didn't put it on the tee. Well, you don't have time. You just go in. So I just kicked it. It wasn't on the tee. And it hit this, it was a wimpy kick, hit the side of the goalpost. And then people are like, man, what a wimpy kick. But they don't know, like, well, no, the timing was off. I, I'm with you there because, uh, Craig, I was the holder uh, okay. on, uh, on for all, every year I can remember. I was, you know, the quarterback, but I was like, I'm, I'm being the holder. And me and Bill Ritter. Yeah, we eight hands, Matthew. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, it was our championship game in 01. Uh, we scored four touchdowns. We were four for four on extra points. And so was the other team. We went to overtime. But it was like. I don't know, middle of the third. It was one of our middle touchdowns where uh, Devin Drain, my good friend, he had a, a hundred ninety-nine great snaps, but this one was a little high. Uh, he uh, he snapped one high. I came up to get it and just barely got it down in time oh, to be able wow. to kick it through. And you don't think about it because okay, everything worked out, and you don't think much about extra points. But I remember afterwards, my heart was beating like. Yeah, Man, every point matters in this game, and yes. we, we almost lost one there. So, yeah, the snapper, the holder, and the kicker on extra points or field goals are guys I always think about because they they all have to do this like uh, this job that is it's not glamorous or glorified, but it's just like yeah. part of the game, you know. And I, you know, especially like more so in eleven men football, where a point, I mean, that's not like another touchdown. Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen big schools around here, and their kicking is subpar, meaning they don't take it seriously. But that extra point is everything. Oh, it, it is, and and you make a point as a as a kicker. One thing you said, 
practice, 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 practice. Pra- I mean, it needs to become something that you just are relentless about. And it sounds like you were, and, and it, that's all it, I, I, I've officiated a lot of football and you see teams are so bad in the special teams. And it's like, you guys just don't practice. That's you're yeah. telling me out of 2000 kids at a school, you can't find someone to kick extra points. <laughs> you know, it's just practice. Yes. Yeah. No, you're right, Matthew. Oh man. So, so Craig, you guys, what was that moment like when uh, the final, the final touchdown in triple overtime, you guys scored, you walked it off. What was that feeling like for you as a, uh, probably a 17 year old uh, high school kid? Yes, it, it was great. I think just being again with your friends, one, to me, it was relief because I really felt we should have won by more. It was more like if they were really good, I wouldn't have felt that much pressure. Like we would have gotten killed, but that's a game that we should have won. And so I think most of me was just relief. Like, <laughs> oh man, we won the game. I wasn't the goat, <laughs> right? And, uh, and just getting to see all your other friends so happy uh, seeing people from the stand. So, you know, people that were loyal to be with you, parents, like we didn't, we didn't let him down, even though it's just a game. I mean, it was just a game. Uh, you don't feel it that way when you're in it, like you're willing to do anything. Yeah. Uh, and so, and just knowing it's funny because my wife will say, well, why do you guys still talk about that? You know? Well, I met this guy named Sean Kelly. He's, he's an attorney, very, um, very successful guy. He's blind. I played division one baseball at Columbia, but he talks about his high school days. Very similarly. He went to a small school called Emerson back in uh, uh, New Jersey. And the same way he talks about his coaches, he's 50 now. So I said, no, it's not just me. You're, you're closest besides being like I say in war, right? Mm-hmm. In war, you're close, you're tight to those guys. But besides that sports, and then especially football, is that type of thing because you have real fears, uh, good justifiable fears like, man, that guy could that guy could hurt me. Uh, and yet you're with your team. It's for a bigger cause. And so that feeling and then winning uh, really kind of knowing that. And I really feel this John, uh, Dan Kirby, John, Jean, those guys, I'm thinking, I think that's the better year, quite honestly, because they still got Ken Fuller, healthy Ken Fuller back then. They had Brian Kyle. Brian Kyle was our in our class. Brian Kyle was crazy. He was he was small, maybe 120 pounds, but people feared him. Either he would get the concussion or somebody else, but he was crazy. Uh, and I felt they were, in my opinion, uh, more athletic. Like they had the Scott Weidman, but from the year before. So I felt very happy that we were able to uh, kind of get uh not revenge but kind of sew up yeah where those guys were hurting the year before so that oh, avenge them for sure well it was the first eight-man championship in real hondo prep history and uh, definitely the best game in rhp uh history uh you know one i talked to mike murphy about this we had the opportunity to win the final eight-man championship and i'll call it the second greatest game in uh yeah in rhp oh, championship great. game history anyways it was funny talking about the similarities and everything but um Craig, if you could, I mean, you, you said it was a long time ago and, and you still talk about these days and everything. Um, what, what are your thoughts on just the real Hondo prep football tradition? The, the, you were around the, towards the beginning of it and, and to see, I'm sure, uh, you know, headlines or whatever, just checking in time to time to see how the team's doing. What, what does real Hondo prep football mean to you in a nutshell and kind of the, the great tradition it's carried over the years? 
I'll say more than now than ever uh, is teaching young kids or boys uh, to become men in a lot of ways. And I mean that because I love um, Todd Carson, Mark Carson, these guys, to me, they're the epitome of uh, what Care Youth League or Rio Hondo Prep is all about, very loving. I've gone down to an alumni game, I don't know, it's probably at least 10 years ago now, uh, the baseball game, right? And just seeing guys that you don't even know them, but they went to Rio Hondo and great camaraderie. My best compliment was, because I almost, I hit one on the handle uh, and I hit it on the bank. This is old field one. And I think I was about 48. And so <laughs> someone said, oh, Craig, do you play in a league or anything? Like, no, <laughs> but I did. I did have my son throw me these tape balls, right? Before mm -hmm. I went. So I had a little good reaction time, but uh, that was a great compliment. Like, oh. But uh, just that standard of knowing if, if you go to care, you also have to have a moral standard, right? And I know everybody might be a little different when they leave care. I, my belief system basically as ingrained in me, my parents were Christian and uh, there were some controversial things really even down at Rio Hondo back during Mr. Hampton's time of, you know, judgmental and being certain things or everybody had to stay at care. But I think as time goes, I look at the Carson boys because I remember them when they were little guys, Mark and Todd, especially David too. But those guys, I see the way they coach and how loving they are and they demand excellence. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I knew I could depend on Todd. Todd knew the rules. I'd go ask, Hey Todd, what is this? Right. And <laughs> uh, his competitor. So I think uh, the whole program of care, I think we, you use it for your whole life. Don't you, Matthew? Oh, mm -hmm. you use those things. And I, I think it's important, even though my kids went to a different school and I can see a lot of things lacking between the coaches, uh, whatever, but I see there's glimmers of greatness in there that I want them to taste and sports. And then with care, you know, you think about this at care, the only reason I was involved in my kids in sports is to get older because I knew a lot of the dads didn't know what they were doing. So I was there kind of like as quality control. Um, and I did coach them a little bit, but I was really kind of like on the side. So at Care Youth League, I looked at as um, Mr. Hampton, he, he always wanted perfection on things, or I would say getting better on things. And I looked at Care, you know, even though Coach Johnson was so busy, we didn't even learn all the basics of baseball. I didn't even at, at Care Rio Hondo. My bat was too heavy. I had a 34, 32 inch bat, bat. I should have never used that bat in high school. But I, one, I couldn't afford a bat, so I used Jim Hanna's bat. But um, just mechanics, the bottom line is you always showed up on the field, kind of what you said, you'd be out there to do your best. I remember I, I, I slammed a gate once on Mr. Johnson and I didn't know he was behind me, but I was, I was seventh in the lineup uh, for our team. And we had a good team, like I said, went to the semifinals. I think if Chuck Mariotti's arm, if he would have pitched more, I think we would have had the best. I think we had the best pitcher on Mike McGarren, Chuck Mariotti, and Tim Mullins. But Mr. Johnson was going to sit me out. You know, he was going to sit me out because I struck out twice. This pitcher was so slow. He was so slow for Faith Baptist. I could not wait up for him. I could not wait up. And I don't know. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before. He was so slow. I could not hit. I struck out twice. And so Mr. Johnson accused me of not practicing. 
And that really ticked me off because that's who I, I love to practice. I was always hitting and whatnot. So I remember, so Klingman, you know, I might take you out of the lineup, you know, you're not going to practice. And so I was leaving the dugout. I didn't know he's behind me. So I slammed the gate and he's like, what, you're trying to slam the game? Oh, I'm sorry, coach. I didn't know you were behind me. <laughs> but that passion, that passion was beautiful. He was challenging me. Yes. That's a good thing. And even though he wasn't right, no, I did. He was right as a kicker. Like he felt he got me into practice. No, he was wrong there. But I loved that passion. I loved that he wanted to make me better. So that's that's that was real Honda prep and care you think, but real Honda prep was you get out there and be the best you can be. And we might not be the best players, but we'll be the better team that day. And I think you saw that too, Matthew, in your program. Oh, amen to all of that. That is uh, phenomenal stuff and a, and a great way to kind of wrap things up. I know you got a class to teach here in a few minutes, so I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Craig, I got to be honest, and I say this about a lot of people, but I could sit here and talk with you easily another hour about so many more, more things. Likewise, Matthew, you're very knowledgeable and right. We're coming from a very common uh, background, aren't we, with CARE and Rio Hondo? Well, something you said that sticks with me and it's almost like uh you hear about this in other walks of life but you know we went to high school 30 something years apart but it's like hey you went to real hondo i went to real hondo like it's a special bond yeah that, that never gets old yeah it really is matthew and i'm i'm happy to uh know you and i'm really happy to have this conversation with you and i can totally relate to everything you're talking about as well <laughs> well, all the pleasures on this end and, and thank you so much, uh, Craig. It was a blast and uh, yeah, maybe we'll do it again, but good luck with everything teaching uh, the grandkids, especially the one on the way. That's uh, awesome stuff. You're living a, a very blessed life, my friend. Thank you, Matthew. Take care. I can't thank Mr. Craig Klingman enough. That was an absolute pleasure of mine, a blast. Uh, I say it after every episode, really, but I do mean it. It is such a blessing for me to do these uh, every single Friday, all the episodes, really, but Fridays are, are a great deal of fun because you really chat with people and share memories and stories, and you're just ready to go out and make make some new ones, right, after that. So, Craig Klingman, all the best to, uh, to you and the family, and uh, hope to chat with you again very soon. Thank you for the kind emails you've sent about uh, our, our experience here in recording. It, uh, it The pleasure was all mine, seriously, sir. And uh, I can't wait to uh, chat with you again soon, whenever it is. Maybe a real Hondo prep football game. Who knows? But uh, big thanks to Craig Klingman. Just a classy act. Uh, can't say enough about him. Well, guys, another week in the books of the Get Home Safe podcast. There will be some more fun-filled episodes next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, of course, respectively. Uh, probably just me on Mondays rambling away. And, uh, you know, Wednesday, Bill Barnes will do his rambling away. And then we'll have another great guest on Friday that we will talk uh, a long-form conversation with. One thing I have done is I have set up all of my... Um, recordings already so I've stockpiled a few so I can take uh, just about a month off now because I have like three or four recordings ready to go for Friday episodes I still have Mondays and Wednesdays and the intros and all those things to record but I can do those uh, the day before or the day of but for now I get to take a brief break a pause if you will step away from the interviews sometimes it's hard putting it all together and scheduling and finding time uh, but it's an absolute 
uh, honor to do and, and I really enjoy doing this. So we're going to keep doing that moving forward. I probably won't record any long form interviews soon uh, since we have a few weeks covered, but uh, I don't know if the time is right or, you know, someone uh, has a different kind of schedule or something, we'll work it out. I'm a man of the people here at the Get Home Safe podcast. I'm willing to work with you and just trying to continue to put out content that you guys want to listen to. That is the goal anyway. So appreciate all your listenership guys. And uh, for those of you new to the podcast, there's a few ways to follow the podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at Yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you. So shoot us an email or send us a voice message. You can look at the episode notes for some links there. It's real simple. There's a one minute limit on there, but you can send in a voice message and have your voice heard on the podcast, much like a caller calling into a radio talk show. Guys, give us a like, give us a follow, whatever the case may be on your social media platforms. You will always find our content there. Our episodes are posted there. Uh, You'll also find on Thursday some pictures promoting the upcoming guest who's coming on the program. So lots of reasons to uh, give us a like or a follow on your various social media platforms. Guys, the weekend is here. Who's ready for it? I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Take a few days off here. Got to work on Saturday, but hey, that's life in the big city. There's some UFC fights on Saturday night that I cannot wait to watch. Pay-per-view, but uh, hey, that happens. Going to get off work, hustle home, watch some fights, enjoy my Saturday night, enjoy my Sunday, and then I will be back with you guys on Monday to give a recap of fights, to talk about sports stories, a lot of other current events and things and news that's going on. I will be back for that and can't wait to uh, re reconvene. What's convene? Yeah, re rejoin, reconvene. I don't know what the what the phrase is. I'm I'm out of breath. I'm out of water. It's been a long day recording episodes with people and uh, in talking with you guys in our intros and outros here. Anyway, I will step aside. See you guys on Monday. Please have a safe and sane weekend. I know things are opening up, but. Uh, still tread lightly out there uh let freedom ring you know where i stand on things but uh be be careful be courteous and thoughtful of others out there guys as always no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe